0: Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Connell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer-turned-psychologist, Dr. Joni Connell.
1: Hello, fellow nerds and other honorable listeners and viewers. Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have a really fun guest who has an interesting story to share about his past and what he does. So I'm going to launch right in real quick, but first I'd like to announce it's Etienne de Bruin, and he's a co-founder and CEO of Seven CTOs, Inc. It's an organization that seeks to build the world's best chief technology officers, CTOs, in other words. And Etienne is a native of South Africa. He also lived in Germany for several years. And he and his family now live in San Diego, where they've been for a long time, since 2000, I think. So Etienne, tell us a little bit about seven CTOs. I mean, what is it? Uh, It's a very unique solution uh, to support the need of, of CTOs. And how did you come up with this?
0: Thank you, thank you, Joni. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I started well. First of all, Seven CTOs exists to help CTOs uh, grow into world class leaders. I think a lot of CTO types graduate into the role based on their technical prowess um, and also decades of uh, instant feedback. You know the the technology works great code, code, code. Technology breaks. Mm-hmm. Fix it. You know, you kind of get that instant feedback. But when you start going into the role of uh, leadership and, and specifically uh, into CTO land, uh, your problem shifts to a people problem and a people challenge. And seven CTOs is wants to be the organization that's right there with you. Uh, as you sort of convert that technology equity into people people skills.
1: Aha, uh-huh. that's what we're all about. So what kind of challenges do your CTOs run into when all of a sudden it's all about people?
0: You know, um, we regularly talk to our CTOs. Um, so the format of seven CTOs is the forum experience. Um, so every month, All our members, we've got about a hundred plus members now, um, will meet in their forums of six or seven and spend a half day together. And a lot of the challenges that they're facing are, you know, I would say on the, uh, team, team level, it is doing more with less or doing a lot with a lot. So what that means is, Uh, sometimes a CTO will be used to building a company on, you know, with scarce resources, building the MVPs, building the prototypes, hiring one or two people Mm -hmm. and then suddenly land in some funding and now have to hire frantically. Um, you know, come up with product development roadmaps in a way that suddenly there's, there's money and there's this opportunity. And, uh, what do you do if you haven't been nurturing? Uh, funnels if you haven't been building relationships you're 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 intimidated by this need to hire people so there's the intricacies of managing the teams and um, and growing out your different different functional disciplines right. uh, then there's the challenge of uh, at this at the c level or at the peer executive level which is um, you know, maybe your CEO, um, doesn't quite understand the role of the CTO as a strategic equal. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny how many times we talk to people where the CEO still sort of views the CTO as just the person that just has to make the technology work. Right. And, um, you know, what I find is that CTOs generally have a strong sense of purpose. Um, uh, sort of that millennial desire to own outcome to the, the big, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a keen sense of, of, of product, uh, what needs to be built to solve problems. And so, uh, you know, I would say those are the two sort of in your face people challenges. Um, I would say secondary to that could be, um, you know, taking advice from people and uh, getting into that sort of emotional intelligence space where uh, your awareness is sort of about yourself is large enough to sort of take in someone else's guidance and advice.
1: Okay. So there might be a little bit ego involved there is, is what I'm hearing in that last piece.
0: Possibly, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 a a transformation for me was when I personally went from seeing my employees or my team as extensions of me, uh, and I and I I had to flip that and uh, become uh, in, in to, to see them as creative beings that had their own ways in which they wanted to do things, and not how I could control that or or restrain that but how i could actually bring that out to utterance and have people you know i think that's when people say well hire a team that is is better than you or knows more than you i think that that that's a pretty pivotal moment in your growth as cto
1: absolutely so you know what kind of things did you go through when you figured that out i mean you said that that was a pivotal moment for you but
0: how did that come up? Well, I think um, I, th- I had I had so in my journey as CTO, um, I, I definitely had a few moments where I realized I was I was I was missing the plot. Um, two two things come to mind, um, maybe three. Um, one of them was. Um, I was in an executive team meeting with my two founders, co-founders and, um, of this company I was the CTO of. And I noticed that when we were talking about metrics and outcome and especially around financials, I just started checking out. I just started deciding, well, this isn't my, this isn't my realm. Uh, This is theirs. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, I, and, I, and one of those moments, I had a, I had a moment where I thought, wow, this, this is me looking at myself that I'm actually failing my company as an executive and as a co-owner. Uh, the, the, the other thing that happened was I, we were discussing a certain feature that we, the CEO thought would be a good idea to build. And I just went to the whiteboard and I just rambled on and I just drew an architecture of how we could build this. Uh, specifically, because it was my baby, I built that product from scratch. And I noticed both of them took their notepads and they were furiously taking notes. And I just had another moment where I thought, "Wow, man, I this is really irresponsible. I'm I am portraying a direction, uh, uh, something I haven't thought through uh, to my team, my executive team." And I wasn't taking, I wasn't doing the necessary due diligence to vet my own ideas and and, and sort of actively seek out the shortcomings of what what the weaknesses in my suggestions could be. And so them taking me at my word gave me pause to be, Okay. okay, well, who else has heard this? And then the third thing that was a bit of a challenge for me was my dev team. I think we had grown to about 15 or 16 at that point. And I noticed that when we, whenever I opened the floor to collaborate and I, whenever I was, okay, guys and gals, this is your time to, to tell me what you think. It would always be the stone cold silence. And, uh, I grew very frustrated with that because I always saw myself as the quintessential people person and I always thought I was creating a super collaborative environment when in fact I wasn't and it was a combination of my you know being a raging extrovert uh, working with a team of introverts and be um, always you know in, in a non-verbal way communicating my displeasure or my my rejection of people's ideas and so my, I almost had a mutiny on my hands one one retreat. We went into the mountains and found myself standing at the opposite end of the kitchen and all my devs on the other end of the kitchen. And it was literally a uh, them against me scenario showdown.
1: Wow.
0: Which, uh, still, still makes my lip quiver when I think about that. It was a pretty pretty scary moment.
1: So it took a little introspection after that to really see what it was about you that was creating this and taking your responsibility for your role. Well, that's big, yeah. I think uh, part of it, I mean, what you're talking about when you move into the role, and this isn't any director executive level position is that it's a matter of maturity. I mean you have to mature to a certain extent I mean when it's just about you and you're the developer or you're running you know just your project, it's different than when you are responsible for people and a whole team and having to uh, interact with them and bring out the best in them as well
0: yep yep and it's it's hard when uh when the uh you know when you are responsible at the at your executive level for deliverables to then bake into that, this, oh, I'm going to be coaching and mentoring. And so letting them fail or letting them make decisions that, you know, directly impacts the way I show up in the boardroom. um, That, that is tough. It's very tough. Um, It's really
1: hard. Well, one thing i you talked about the control factor, and I think that's just so important because it's not just technical people. I see this a lot with different types of, leaders that I deal with, but a lot of times people have gotten that level of success, like you said, with their technical prowess, you know, they, they've they been very controlling and had everything, um, you know, worked out, and then suddenly, it's like having kids or getting a pet or something, and they start doing stuff that you're not expecting, and you can't control them, they're just different people, different beings, and um, letting go is, is a huge factor, um and so you know what kind of things come up when you're dealing with your your forums you know do other people deal with these kind of issues as well the, the control factor
0: um you know uh so firstly the 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 control factor is is oftentimes there's something else going on uh mm-hmm. and and it 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 really surfaces um with the issues that our CTOs bring. So the way we do our format is we kind of use something called the Gestalt protocol, which just really has everyone sharing from their own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're trying not to give each other advice, uh, on what you should do. So for instance, if, if I've never raised a series B, I'm not, you know, I'm in no position to say, well, I read that you should, or I've, you know, Facebook did this, you know, I, so we 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 do share from experiences, and 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 when people start bringing up uh, control issues um, with, and it's not really control. It's like, well, I can't get my team to deliver on time, or my CEO thinks that I am uh, too slow in in delivering. Um, oftentimes, I think there's a bit of an education problem, or there's there's a. I ask myself, like, what is what is the one piece of missing information? that that maybe you don't have that could 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 explain what is going on you know your need to control is because there is something else happening and rather figure out what that is as opposed to uh exerting yeah. yourself
1: and i think that's something that you can do in this kind of environment which is deeper than just sort of chatting at work about things or having a quick moment so I mean that to me seems like you know peer advisory. I belong to a different group, not some CTOs, but uh, where we do this, and you end up having to dig deep sometimes to find out. Oh, the, you know, getting the psychology of it, which is of course my specialty and, and passion here. But for some folks who aren't used to that, uh, that can um, be uh, very difficult and um, you know hard. Well, to process. And
0: I, I, yeah, and that's why, uh, especially with this demographic. Um, you know, to sort of be, to be in that room with six or seven peers or mentors as well, um, that aren't there to, you know, figure out the psychology per se, but are just there because they, they have this, they have challenges. They are peers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, just opens up the, uh, especially I think with the scientific mind, um, uh, that's a little more, uh, skeptical. Uh, it's a little more empirically driven by well how has this person proven that i can you know that they know what i'm talking about and until then right. it's like i'm talking to my grandmother you know it's it's mm-hmm. not really uh and and i think when you do when you when when and i've seen this many times when you strike this beautiful balance between mutual trust and vulnerability oh my goodness then mm-hmm. uh you know you see you see tech geniuses just, just, you know, open up at levels that are really amazing.
1: Yeah. So this is something, obviously, for seven CTOs, one of the benefits. But just in terms of having good relationships with your peers that maybe you could go to lunch with, you know, somebody at work or somebody in a different company, you know, that you really have that trust uh, and vulnerability that you can share. And that's what I was talking about, the uh, maturity factor as well that uh, getting to that point when you can say, I'm struggling or, you know, I made a mistake or I don't understand and still understand that you are an expert and you're good at what you do and all that. Yeah. yeah and,
0: I th- and I think um, just to touch on those two, two points you made, um, you know, the, the serendipity of being able to connect with a colleague uh, or a friend, is rare uh, because uh, it needs you know especially if you're sharing some sort of outcome you know it could be mis- misconstrued or um you know being vulnerable with a colleague is oftentimes dangerous um mm-hmm. just in the sense that uh you don't know how this is going to affect performance um so uh you know so th- those are the two points the one is um being able to have your friends that you uh, connect with is a, it's rare, uh, especially on the uh, professional level, uh, from what I've seen, uh, I have good friends, but can I, do they understand my work uh, scenario? And so having, um, but to get to that level where you can actually really share and uh, have people, uh give you actionable advice or help uh takes really hard work it's a, it's an investment and I think this is probably the biggest struggle of our time is people thinking that they don't have enough time or you know can't schedule um, uh, can't schedule you into their busy week and so the, the does require to secure that ps requires hard work uh to be to, you know, we like to talk about level five commitments, uh, where, where, you know, level five is, if level one is, okay, well, we should do lunch and you never do that. <laughs> level five is, I'm, you know, literally, if the Boeing crashes into my house, I'm still going to have lunch with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is, um, you know, the, the whole thing about being outside the company, I think, uh, especially, I think the whole lonely at the top, cliche. Um it's really true. Uh, It's it's the the further up you go, the more the more unique your challenges are to the organization. I'm not saying that it's unique to you as a human, but to to the organization. And you know there's very few people, so you can't process that really with your investors or whatever advisors your investor sends because you might be concerned about what gets back to your investors. Because you're trying to make sure that you can stay in that job. It's very hard to share those challenges with your CEO, especially if your CEO, uh, isn't, isn't mentor oriented or coaching oriented. Uh, but even then you're still trying to prove that you're worthy of the role of, of CTO. So, so that's what I'm hoping with seven CTOs is to provide that cadence that through investment of time and space, people naturally start to trust each other and be vulnerable and then also to provide a peer group that is outside of your company so that you can share perhaps more freely than you would normally do.
1: Well, I have a couple of questions for you that sort of uh, are tangential to what we've been talking about, because they are just things that I know that uh, that we've talked about before and I find super interesting, like, uh, the technology factor? I mean, are these face-to-face meetings or do you think that the technology is affecting the way people are able to do this? Or, you know, how, how do you incorporate that? I mean, yeah.
0: So uh, that's, a, that's, that's a, an interesting conundrum that we face. So seven CTOs, while we were birthed in San Diego, uh, we have ambitions of being a global organization. So now, you know, we're also at this stage we're fully bootstrapped. So, um, you know, we we don't have sort of the the the, the marketing dollars to sort of blanket the planet and then have a physical presence in each city. Mm-hmm. So, a yes, uh in-person meetings are crucial to us uh because we think that the 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 nuances, the the sort of the unspoken gestures, all those things contribute to the larger conversation and so uh, you know, the way you sit, the way you, uh, we, we focus on having round tables. So, uh, um, you, you're literally sitting at a place that has no head or foot of the table. Everyone has an equal voice. Mm-hmm. And, and one might think that that stuff is, you know, it's a little wishy-washy, but, um, it does impact the way people share, um, to, to just have a physical manifestation that your voice has an equal place at the table. Uh, it, it says a lot that, uh, you know, an extrovert might bulldoze their way to any table. Uh, introverts tend to uh, be a little more um, uh, supportive in other people's opinions. Uh, but what we did at the beginning of last year was we did start experimenting with uh, video conferencing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's had a surprisingly positive effect. I, I'm actually, it's our fastest growing format. Um, people uh you know while they while while the forum experience is done we use an app called circles which really we, the c t o is also in seven c t o okay. s but it's uh, i would really encourage you to look at that it's circles dot it's like circle c i r c l dot e s and they actually put people in sort of a round format and then when one when one person speaks they sort of go to the center of the circle and um
1: oh, and, nice. and
0: and we've actually had a fascinating experience with that so um we have physical presences in San Diego, Carlsbad, Portland and Austin and we also have in South Africa um but for the rest everyone's meeting through our video conferencing so i think that for the video conference, you have to be slightly more intentional in your listening and in your contribution, which is harder to do because you have more distractions and you don't really have any, um, in interpersonal, um, you know, uh, distraction, you know, it's not like right. your brain, your brain is required to look at the same screen for three to four hours. Whereas if I'm meeting with people, we're getting up, we're getting, we're having breaks, we're shooting the breeze in the hallways. So, so, so to answer your question, we do both formats, but the plan is for us to grow our video conferencing into our tentacles into cities and mm-hmm. then hopefully, uh, hopefully gain some, some sort of critical mass in that city and then have that convert into an in-person format.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, you you talk about the intention and attention as well in the video format. It's funny because one of the things that I've found in video, I mean, as much as I love it, because you can actually—it's it's like the closest to face-to-face as you can get. But uh, seeing myself is always—that's uh, distracting, you know. I mean, uh, you start worrying about oh, how do I look, or you know, what kind of signals am I giving off, or uh, you know, if am i gazing at the screen or am i kind of just sort of looking up for a second like in a room you wouldn't think about that as much no, you know you might just look away for a moment but at the screen it just seems so obvious right so um i i actually think that that's something i, I don't know if that's something but that, that should be worked on just to make it more face to face like that you don't actually see yourself you only see the others and like you are in a room and then you can pay attention just to them and, and not yourself so Uh, That's just something that that I found that comes up and um, you know, I I don't know if people are going to want to get rid of that at this point because a lot of people like to look at themselves too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is hard. (laughs) I will say it is hard. Um, I think the um, I I think that there's an overarching need and if that need is met, I don't think people care how it's done. So if Mm -hmm. we if I have a burning question around how am I going to build this mobile app as quickly and cheaply as possible, and I get connected with two or three people, um, you know, I'm not going to care if it's done in, especially if I need to build trust with those people. Right. I'm not going to care if it's done in person. I'm just going to care about, you know, can we have a conversation about that? Mm -hmm. But I do think that the, the, to build relationship, um, i don't know i mean i might be old school but it i think it requires the human uh interaction
1: yeah no i i couldn't agree with you more in fact that's that's a lot about what i write about and how technology affects these uh communications well one other thing we've talked about and you know i think this comes up in this conversation too is the different generations of people you know you, you mentioned sort of this millennial effect and we're talking about tech and People different generations have grown up, you know, using us in different ways. I mean, one of the things that I noticed that uh, when I started first having uh, more video conference meetings, as people I was working with were older, actually baby boomers, they would just sit at the screen and look, and they would not be distracted at all. And I was like, "Wow, this is holding me up to a higher standard." <laughs> you know, I used to be like, I'm on the phone, I'm just kind of whatever, doing a couple things at the same time, multitasking, you know, which is really probably being distracted. But I I feel like people who are are younger who are a lot more used to the multitasking and all that too. And um, I don't know what have you seen in terms of your uh, experience in the seven CTOs and and the different generations coming at it.
0: Um, I think that uh, I think that generationally. Um, uh, I think that probably the part that I see it the most is in event attendance. So mm-hmm. I think um uh, millennials will have no problem to say they're going to be somewhere and then just decide last minute that that's not what they're going to do. Now, that might be a gross generalization, but I do feel like the older you are, the more seriously you take your personal commitments. So if you've said you're going to be somewhere, and for some reason you can't make it it's not just you don't show up there's a an email or a phone call or a uh, hey did you get my message that i'm not going to make it anymore something came up mm-hmm. so um that that makes it very interesting um, i also you know one of the tools we use quite prolifically is slack mm-hmm. and i do find that generationally you know, some people would just be way more conversational in Slack than others. And I, and I want to say that I think the Gen Xs are a little more conversational and chatty in, in Slack. Uh, millennials, I feel, not so much. Wow, this is some serious um, making things up right now. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's an but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just an observation. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if it's the world of IRC or uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's, I think we spoke about this the other day where, where, uh, Gen Zers and Millennials are actually curating content at a much higher level than, than Gen Xers are. Because Gen X's didn't grow up with Facebook right. or any of this stuff. We didn't grow up with cell phones, right? So, um, so for us, it's almost like everything is like this, this medium that we just overshare in. Whereas people who have grown up with it are sort of, they understand that there's a real world and a virtual persona representation mm-hmm. of yourself and that you're branding that virtual representation. And so you're, you're way more careful in what you talk about, speak, speak about. And wow. so um, yeah. that's what I see in, in seven CTOs as well.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to ponder that some more. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, we've actually been going for quite some time. I just wanna make sure that you have a chance, a chance to share how people can contact you if they want to look you up or seven CTOs, what's the best way?
0: Well, uh, 7CTOs.com, 7CTOS. I also uh, am building a community of software developers called everydev.com. And so if 7CTOs is focused on the CTO, every dev is focused on everyone else. Um, I also do a podcast, as you know, which I Mm -hmm. hope to have you on soon. Uh, It's called The CTO Studio. So it's just basically conversations that I like to have on topics that I find interesting as a representative of the CTO community. And so on Twitter, I'm at De Bruin. Um, and on, I think the same thing on Instagram. So yeah. And emailing me, emailing me is just my first name at seven CTOs.com.
1: Okay, that's good. We'll have that in the show notes as well, so if you wanna look them up uh, for our guests and all that. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your insights. This has been really interesting. on both hearing about uh, seven CTOs and the peer group model there that you do, but also the different levels of of working in the technology field when you move up into this uh, more responsibility, people-oriented position the game really changes and so I think that's what you're helping to solve some of those problems those challenges for people with what you do and I like to work with technical people facing people challenges at every level so I think it's really important for people to think about this too as they want to move up you know what kind of challenges do they need to be anticipating and skills to be building uh, to get to that point so uh, thank you so much, and um, I'll tell, uh, yeah, so any last words or?
0: No, I was just reflecting on what was your, what do you think your biggest challenge was navigating the uh, engineering space as, you know, as a human and maybe as a female?
1: Well, you know, back when I was an engineer, it was uh, really, uh I mean, it still is more male-oriented, especially at hardware, electrical engineering. It was, what, about 2 uh, 4% women back then, and I was often the only one in the room. And, you know, I think it still comes up for me sometimes. It's like when I'm in a room that has more males, like and I'm like one of the only ones, it's, sometimes it's hard for people to differentiate because it's a double minority sort of complex. You know, am I saying something different because I'm a woman? or just because I have something different to say. Mm. And I think that came up a lot as an engineer that feeling like people uh, would, you know, listen to things differently because I was just different. And Mm. um, yeah, so I'll I'll keep that going for today. I mean, that comes up for people, you know, whenever you're just different from the other people in the room, I've done a lot of research on the minority effect in in meetings, you know? So if you think about that, when you, you do stand out with some characteristic people sometimes give you sort of um they don't count it it's like oh well of course she said that because she's a woman and she's not like the rest of us or or something yeah, like that you yeah. know so it can, it can that's be
0: different. fascinating yeah. That is fascinating something to be so, mindful of definitely
1: yeah yeah it could be you know ethnicity it could be gender it could be age it could be anything so yeah that's always something to keep in mind All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to tell our listeners, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review the show. And uh, we hope to see you next time on Reinventing Nerds. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit reinventingnerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd, and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.